Uh, hello and welcome to the Granite Mountain Movie Club. Um, today we are going to be talking about uh, a new movie. We don't uh, often talk about newer movies, but uh, we're going to be talking about the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Uh, I think it's called Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. came out a little earlier this year. Um, and joined today by, uh, by Brett Kane. Uh, you want to say hi, Brett? Hello, everybody. Good to be back. Thank you for yeah. having me on. Brett hasn't been here for, for a while, probably six months or so. Um, and then we're also joined by a first-time guest, uh, Conan. It's, it's a, is it Conan Esquire? Conan Esquire. Howdy. Happy to be on the show. Um, and, and Conan, tell the audience a little bit about you. Um, and, uh, and if you have anything like a book or something that you've, uh, that you've written. Yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot to tell about me, really. I, I just post on Twitter. Um, as as Conan Esquire, it's a mix of I don't know long form writing threads and jokes, um, which may or may not be funny. I've also written a couple of books. Uh, it's just straight down the pipe pulp sword and sorcery set in a kind of fictionalized Mesoamerican Aztec Mayan setting. Um, they've been well reviewed. I really enjoyed writing them, which is the important thing. Uh, and the third will be forthcoming later this year. That's awesome. Um, I've actually so, read them. They're fantastic. Sorry, did you say the title? What are they called? Uh, the first is called The Turquoise Serpent, and the second a sequel is called The Flowers of the Moon. Okay, nice. I will put uh, put links in the in the show notes to uh, to the wherever you can buy them. We'll we'll talk later. Amazon, I assume, but. Um, and then Brett, you know, Brett's an author too. So Brett, I'll put some links to your books too. Thank you so much. Um, I'm not as good as Conan, so <laughs> buy his books first. Yeah. So um, before we get into it, before we start discussing the movie, I was curious if you guys had any experience. Uh, so we're talking about the Dungeons and Dragons movie, but I was curious if you guys have any experience with the actual Dungeons and Dragons game. Yeah, absolutely. Conan, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I, I have a very limited experience with the Dungeons & Dragons game. I played maybe 10 sessions across a total of like seven or eight years back in the day. Uh, I probably stopped playing right around the time I went to law school. I know I played a couple sessions while I was in law school because I remember trying to wrangle law students to play it and having to argue endlessly about, you know, interpretations of the rules and, and hear hackneyed jokes about, you know, comparing, comparing the legal concepts we were all studying to stuff going on in the game. Um, and <laughs> my, I, I'm a little bit jaded, I think, because all of, you know, I was always like, I never played with anybody who was really good at it like nobody with more experience than me you know it was like i was always the driving force kind of saying hey let's play this game let's check it out see what it's about yeah, um, yeah. so i would always volunteer to dungeon master because you know nobody else wants to like take on any work to do it they just want to kind of show up and goof off um i think it was i think it was sort of successful we played mostly i think fourth and fifth edition maybe maybe 3.5 i'm not sure how the timeline works out um, and I was certainly not like plugged in enough to have a good sense of, you know, what the differences were between editions or anything like that. Um, I think the most successful 
session I ever had was <laughs> one time I I wrote like a one shot Halloween session for everybody to play where the party was whisked away to a kind of haunted castle by a vampire who wanted them to um, find and eradicate the other party of adventurers that kept raiding his house to steal his treasures. Um, and then the other party of adventurers was like, like obviously modeled off the Scooby-Doo gang. So my party was like running through a haunted mansion trying to find and, and kill the Scooby-Doo gang. And it had, you know, I, I just found every Halloween themed monster and, and trap and stuff like that that I could find. Um, I had like suits of armor that would follow people around and, you know, a, a, a puzzle involving playing, I think, Takata and Fugue in D uh, on the uh, on the big organ and it would like open up a secret treasure room and stuff like that. So um People seem to like that. That was a fun one. The rest of it, like we couldn't keep a campaign going very long. Like everybody got busy or lost interest. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think I ever played like more than two or three sessions in a row. So very, very limited Dungeons and Dragons experience. Nothing like some of the gangsters uh, that I talked to about it on Twitter, just out of curiosity. Like I have a, I have a very, I'm like right on the edge of, of Dungeons and Dragons from multiple different angles. So I talked to a lot of people who are big like D&D heads and, um, you know, extremists about it. I like the extremists. I like the guys who say, you know, you should only play like first edition rules as written uh, and everybody else is playing the game wrong. I like I get along with those guys. I, I appreciate the, uh, you know, the fervor they bring to it. I don't personally, I haven't had time to uh, to try to kind of plunge back into it, but it's on my radar. It's something I would be interested in the future. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like something that is like best suited for like teenagers when you have like tons of time um, and a you know reliable friend group, you know who all live near each other or something, or maybe like the other the other type of group of people I know who like play regularly are maybe like uh, software engineers who are very like comfortable in their career. So they, they have like a very steady lifestyle and they have time to get together, you know, weekly or biweekly or something and actually play. Um, and, and I'm glad, and you know, I think your description was really good too, because I think a lot of the people, a lot of people haven't played it ever. Right. And they don't even really have a concept for what it is. Um, before I had played it and I played it briefly for like two years, maybe from the ages of like 13 to 15. Like that's like, that's the only time I've ever really played it. And before I played it, I didn't really know what to expect of them. Like, you know, is there going to be a, uh, a board? Like, is this a board game or what, like, what is this? But, and I think your description of your experience captures this. It's, it's like, it's very, um, it's very open. It's very free. And it's like, it, you know, that you can do kind of whatever you know, there's parameters and there's rules. Um, but they're highly subjective based on, you know, this, this person known as a dungeon master who, kind of is like the I don't know how you describe it best like I say I only played briefly you know a long time ago but it's almost like a um you know it's like a referee I guess who but is also like a narrator and kind of a storyteller making up scenarios so there's there's just tons of room for creativity um and it's a lot more you know to me you know if I it is something I would love to to be able to get into but uh, it's kind of like that or podcasting and I guess I'm doing podcasting but um yeah it's i think it's great um 
yeah, I played with uh, just like the neighborhood, some neighborhood guys when I was when I was a teenager, and uh, you know, no one, there was no uh, demonic possession or anything. I, that was uh, something going around at you know at that time. People were like against it, I guess, but uh, but you know, it was mostly just Mountain Dew and uh, and talking about like you know uh, killing orcs or something like that. I love it. That's you know, it, it reminded me. It's so funny because when I was growing up, I, I had heard kind of peripherally about Dungeons and Dragons, but I thought it was just like nerd stuff, like uh, technically it's a lightning bolt, you know, and just like stuff like that. So it never, never interested me because I was always outside, like actually getting into fights and stuff. But over the last couple years, uh, Dungeons and Dragons has just become so ubiquitous. And uh, my wife's best friend loves Dungeons and Dragons and she got us into it a couple years ago and we've really enjoyed it. And, you know, it's, it's funny Conan, cause I know some of the, the extremists, some of the purists would uh, just be so angry at me. Um, it's almost like jujitsu. I, I don't know uh, if, you, if you guys have trained jujitsu, but I mean, back in the day it was hard to find jujitsu. Now there's a jujitsu studio uh, almost on every corner and, you know, there are people who are purists and there are people who like just go in no gi and, and that that's how I approach Dungeons and Dragons. I know a lot of people complain about fifth edition uh, and it's definitely becoming a, one of those areas that's just totally politically correct and things like that. But I mean, it's really accessible now and I love the art behind it. So I did uh, some art for Jason Gardner. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL and uh, works for Jocko Willink. And so he and his family play all the time. So I'd, I did uh, some artwork for him and for GM Dice, they commissioned a couple pieces. And that's my favorite thing about because, you know, obviously Conan and, and myself, we, we write and just being able to tell a story with actual characters who are invested and, and have their own goals and own backstories. It's really exciting. So I, I think everyone should try it at least once and probably more than that. Cause you can get kind of a dud of a DM, uh, a dungeon master um, who might not let you play to, to your style. But if, if you have a, a good dungeon master who cares about telling a good story and people having fun, it can be a blast. And you can have, like you said, Conan, like just a, like just a one-off, you know, you can do that. And it's, it's pretty fun. And I think it's really accessible. It's a great game. I mean, you can do anything you want with it. It's just take some imagination and uh, it's, it's pretty cool to see how it's evolved and, and things like um, what's that show on Netflix um, stranger things, you know, that kind of brought it back into the, the zeitgeist and uh, now um, this movie, especially Brett, you mentioned, um, I guess it was your wife's friend. Sounds like that was a girl. Are, are girls allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons? Well, you know, that's a good question. Um, it, <laughs> And thinking about Conan in law school, you know, arguing about the rules in in my rules, no, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> no, no girls, no gays, like none of that stuff. Uh, um, no, but yeah, she she's a, a big fan. Her husband enjoys playing with it and playing Dungeons and Dragons too. And and they've got uh, just a, tons of of dice and tons of minis, and and they have fun. So yeah, it's 
it's pretty funny to see and, and she's someone who understands the game so it's, it's well i think it's i think it's fair if it's reasonable if the if her husband accompanies her she can she can play right. but yeah. otherwise i would <laughs> i would hope not yeah no she's awesome both both of my uh, i've loved playing with them um yeah well that's <laughs> that's, that's actually interesting though because just in this sounds like this a phenomenon of recent years or something because for most of its existence i'm, I'm pretty sure girls just self-selected out and just you know it's like somewhat maybe what is in the last 10 or 15 years there's it's like cool to be a, a nerd i guess but uh but that was not always the case oh yeah absolutely yeah and i think i think the reason you know anything that comes back into the zeitgeist like you said brett is gonna bring controversy with it into the zeitgeist just by the nature of the way things are now um, I think that's, I think that's a lot of what kind of the unspoken thing that drives a lot of what people argue about with or about D and D now where there, you know, there's like the feminine impulse to, uh, to make D and D crappy or to like, you know, make D and D about like complicated romance setups and backstories and stuff when kind of the old school approach is to treat it like a, like a true war game, you know? So there's some, there's some serious uh, trend clashes there, which are being kind of leaned into in a way that doesn't particularly interest me by wizards of the coast. And I don't know wizards of the coast being, you know, the, the company that publishes dungeons and dragons. I think, I think that's still right. I think so. Um, but yeah, they also, it is. they also publish magic, the gathering, which as you know, is at the center of the recent, uh, Lord of the Rings magic card race swap debacle. Uh, <laughs> and, and so like you can kind of get a sense from that of, of where Dungeons and Dragons is, is probably going to go as a, as a brand, so to speak. But at the same time, the game is such that you don't actually really have to interact with the brand that much. You know what I mean? Like you could yeah. still just go get a copy like a PDF copy of the original rules online and just play that. If you want to play that, like you can do, you don't have to, you don't have to deal with all that bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling tempted uh, to, to get back into it. Um, but, uh, that would be like, Oh man, that'd be tempting, but time consuming. Um, and Brett, you mentioned the, the, the stranger things, uh, thing, which is interesting because, um, I think Stranger Things did more for Dungeons and Dragons than the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I, um, the movie I think has done all right. I think, but it 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 made uh, two hundred eight million off of a hundred fifty million dollar budget, which by Hollywood accounting is is kind of a dud. Uh, not an outright flop, I don't think, but but pretty kind of bad. Um, but people seem to like it, but I don't think it's like generating interest in Dungeons and Dragons itself. Um, and something I was wondering if you guys thought like, is, is the movie even really, is it even really a Dungeons and Dragons movie or is it just like a fantasy themed movie? And they, they, you know, stamped the D and D logo on it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a question that I was asking myself as I was watching the movie because the the forgotten realm setting is such a melange of concepts in the first place that it doesn't 
you know, the, the thing that feels like Dungeons and Dragons about Dungeons and Dragons or the whole Forgotten Realm setting is that you're playing it. You know, it's like the experience of playing the game more than it is, I think, specifically like there being a dragon in the movie or, or there being a halfling in the movie. Like it, almost everything that you see in the movie feels really like it's, you know, borrowed from something else that I've seen before in a way. Like, you know, Bradley Cooper being a hobbit in the movie, like, call it what it is. You know what I mean? Like, Bradley, Bradley Cooper <laughs> being a halfling or whatever it is in the movie. I'm just like, all right, but I've seen the perspective force, the force perspective shots with hobbits before. It's, what does this have to, you know, where, where is the essence of D&D in the movie? And, you know, there's, it's, it's a heist movie in a fantasy setting. And that's, kind of novel in a sense but yeah i don't know i just this was kind of the problem that i had with the original dungeons and dragons movie that i watched like back in you know whenever i watched it 2001 or whatever where you're just like how is this you know what is what is the difference between this and like generic campy fantasy yeah, that uh, I like that because yeah, I, and I think the idea of just stamping the the D and D, the Dungeons and Dragons name on it, because even the title of the movie is kind of a mouthful, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. You know, it's it's too long. It's too long of a title. Um, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I brought uh, my brother in law and a couple of my friends to see it, and none of them have played Dungeons and Dragons before, and they enjoyed it. So it it seemed like you know from just a you know a fantasy heist movie it was good you know it it uh hit the right notes in my mind but the dungeons and dragons side of it it was you know like you said it's not bringing in new fans not generating interest because you can't it dungeons and dragons is not a one size fits all you know but yeah kind of callbacks to things that you know people could catch on to easter eggs so i think people who play dungeons and dragons already would watch the movie and find stuff they liked and people who haven't played dungeons and dragons were like oh what the heck are all these things you know but would enjoy i think i think it was was good but you could put like a dungeons and dragons stamp on almost any fantasy movie and say oh, <laughs> right, yeah, this right. Movie, right you know it's just right. like so it's not unique in that way well, yeah, I almost, yeah. sorry go ahead granite oh i almost wonder i i almost wondered if they would get clever and do some sort of thing partway through the movie where it's like the people, the the members of the campaign are actually, you know, in another, are actually just modern people playing the game right. or something like a Jumanji like, thing. Yeah. I wondered if they'd do that, but, but no, they just, it's played it pretty straight. Yeah. I almost want some kind of like Jumanji style frame story so that it, it acknowledges the game roots of it. I don't, I personally wouldn't want to write that. I don't, I don't know or love the game enough to like take on that risk. But, uh, you know, I would, I would go see a movie that like went even zanier with it in that way. But yeah, with the the movie as it was, you know, I, I agree, Brad, I liked it. I thought it was generally pretty fun and hit a lot of the right notes. I thought there were some, I thought there was just like a general, um, I don't know, like they hit the right notes, but not at the right volume or something. Yeah, that's uh, a good way to put it. You know, it it ultimately just seemed a little thin in certain ways. Like it didn't didn't really suck me in, and I think that's 
that's why ultimately it's not like moving the Dungeons and Dragons thing forward into the zeitgeist. Um, and then with a lot of the references that Easter eggs, and, it was all over the place, which I, you know, I'm, I'm not a seasoned player by any means. And I saw a lot of them, like I was thinking, you know, what is a, what is a person who's never been exposed to D and D going to think about this like battle of the magic hands at the end. <laughs> and I'm looking at, I'm like, is that the prestidigitation spell? Is that the like magic hand, <laughs> you know, spell cantrip or whatever that you can learn as a, as a spell caster? And, you know, I, I, I'll let the experts weigh in on that, but that's what I was thinking. Or like, you know, the druid, the, or the, with the horns and you're like, oh, it's a tiefling. It's a tiefling druid. Like they get the class and race thing in there, which I think is, makes sense. But when you have so many, like when you try to bring everything in, it just ends up feeling like almost schizophrenic where I'm like, they got the displacer beast. They got the mimic chest. They got, they, they put everything in there. Yeah, definitely felt felt crammed. Well, it's interesting to see that, you know, these, you know, whether it's remakes by Disney or, you know, kind of carrying on of cult classics like Jumanji, um, even a few years ago when the Warcraft movie came out, I never saw it, but but the idea of turning games in into films, it, it is interesting and and I don't think it's bad and I actually hope that they'll keep making movies like this because like I prefer this to like a superhero movie. Um, and I think Chris Pine is, is a great actor. Um, and so I think they can do a lot, but, but you're right. I think that they might've been trying too hard to say like, Hey, we know all this stuff about D and D and, and they, they didn't have to try that hard. And I hope they won't try that hard to, have all these Easter eggs and they'll just, you know, continue on with either the same characters or a completely new campaign. Yeah. When I was poking around the, the kind of media around the movie as I was, as I was watching it and like getting ready for this, I remembered that they, this was the movie where they, the producers were like, we're going to, we like to emasculate our male f- heroes. We take a lot of pleasure in that or whatever. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, great, here we go. But they, you know, they didn't, they did it less, I think, than they might have and less than they do in a lot of other movies. And in fact, they went to great lengths to, like you're pointing out, like include a lot of references and include a lot of like lore accurate um, or at least consistent stuff to where I was like, who, who, who are you trying to please here? Really? I mean, what it seemed like almost like there were two factions involved in making the movie where I was like, there was some stuff like, uh, I don't know. Are, are we going into spoilers? Have we done the spoiler alert yet? Oh yeah. We, this is a spoiler show. We don't care. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. It's too, it's too limiting here. Um, yeah. So like um, when, you know, the, his whole quest is to get the tablet to resurrect his dead wife. And at the end, right. He just, he's like, ah, oh, I'll, I'll resurrect. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez instead and that that I was like okay that's kind of like liberal coded to me but not not all that it's it felt like a Spielberg thing right well they threw they threw an interesting I was thinking about that too but they they prepared the audience with something before it and maybe I'm stepping on something you're about to say but they they said something about like yeah your wife died and your wife is gone but she's been gone for a while she's actually built like she's building another life in the spirit realm or something. So right. 
you don't like it wouldn't be necessarily the right or fair thing to bring her back. It, they kind of built built up to that, right? And they suggest, I think, also that he, um, Chris Pine's character, Edwin Edgin, something like that, Edgin had, or Edgin, Edgin, Edgin yeah. okay. had like kind of selfish motives for it in the first place. Like it wasn't, you know what I mean? It was like a failing on his part. I, I think they set that up adequately, but that's my point. I guess it, it didn't feel. It didn't feel spiteful or anything in the way that I, I was kind of primed um, to to expect going in, knowing what the producers had said about you know emasculating male characters or whatever. I it just I, that didn't I didn't see a lot of that. I, I you know there was like the normal amount of background of that in in a movie that is so I, you know there there was a layer of like self self-deprecation to the whole thing where you know they clearly wanted it to be a funny movie and and kind of poke mm-hmm. fun at the entire you know over the top nature of dungeons and dragons which i didn't mind um but it never you know it wasn't a complete parody or a complete pastiche or completely silly i thought they had you know some respectable emotional beats and they kind of kept the the actual story focused on this emotional or, you know, not necessarily emotional, but serious arc that, that they were trying to send the characters on. Um, so I was like, I was just getting whiplash. I was like, okay, so when is the, when is the cringe part going to come? And it never quite came, but there was some stuff where I was just like, ah, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't give my like mini review, but I guess I would, uh, I would say that, um, I had seen the trailer and I was, you know, a while before it came out and, I was I was like pleasantly surprised by the trailer. I was like, okay, that that's going to be uh, pretty good. Um, I kind of I feel I feel like I'm pretty good at predict like um, judging a movie by its trailer, uh, especially because trailers now are so like revealing. They they usually don't leave much uh, ambiguity to what what the movie's going to be. But um, it. Uh, I was confident it, it would be kind of what it was and and it and I think it was and it I think it worked. Like I think just overall it worked. Some of the some of the jokes I felt like I I felt like most of the jokes were kind of well written, but they didn't the timing sometimes seemed off and the they didn't hit like they should have, but but some of them did and that was that was good. Um and it's also kind of maybe maybe there's been stuff like this and I just haven't been paying attention, but um, it's kind of refreshing to get stuff that's vaguely fantasy, but not, but not so dark. Cause we've been in like the game of Thrones, uh, game of Thrones, rings of power. Um, and even, even Harry Potter, I don't know if you'd count that as like fantasy. It's I guess maybe not, but even Harry Potter was dark. It's like, this is the, feels like the first sort of light fantasy we've had in a while. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's that's a really good point. Yeah, you know, and and in regards to Harry Potter, I mean, what's what's that historical fiction now? Or <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Def, definitely fantasy. Yeah, I I think it was. Um, yeah, there. I definitely was laughing. I I thought the uh, the the casting the illusion and that failing when uh, with the guards when he's playing the song. I thought that was mm, yeah. It was, Super funny. Um, I like the uh, I like the dialogue around the questioning the dead on the battlefield scene. I thought a lot of that. Uh-huh. Was, oh yeah, <laughs> was, like pretty. Well, tight. and that 
that that so there's this let me pull up the list one of the producers had, had listed the influence or not the producers uh john john daly who's one of the directors there was like a co-directors uh he listed the film's influences as the princess bride mm. monty python mm. uh lord of the rings and indiana jones so that that grave those uh you know the the corpse scene was very monty python yeah definitely it's it's that uh the skill of kind of like juggling three people in a conversation and, and exploiting those directional misinterpretations. Yeah. That was so funny. Yeah. I love when he's like, um, what's your favorite book? I'd, I'd say the Fang Tome of Lycanthasar. <laughs> I, I thought that was, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Chris, Chris Pine really nailed it. And it, it was, it was uh, cool to see Michelle Rodriguez outside of, um, the fast and furious franchise and she was in that tv show lost if you guys ever saw that um but what i really enjoyed about this and and really any movie that has a a father daughter dynamic really just hits home with me because i i have a daughter and so if it's a game or movie or book that that has that it's definitely going to score points with me I, I also relate to movies with with mixed race daughters. <laughs> <laughs> that that element of it, like you said, or like we were saying, Brett, I think that the the beats were all there. It was constructed pretty well, but like there were just some, you know, I, I, maybe I missed it. This is this could be the fact that I had kids climbing on me while I was watching it and stuff like that. But I was like, why? Does this guy even want the daughter necessarily like Hugh Grant's character, who, by the way, was excellent as well. Um, I think a lot of the cast were really good. Even even the cast that I didn't know, like the the Druid and the Wizard and some of the other ones, I thought were pretty strong, really. Um, But I was like, you know, why why is he so invested in keeping the daughter when the guy when Edgin is already out of commission? And then why? I don't know. I just the, the the stakes didn't seem to quite match the tone at certain specific beats, it, it's, and mostly I think concentrated in that arc. And that's I guess part of what left um, why I wouldn't say you know why I wasn't excited as excited about this movie as I was about like Puss in Boots, for example. That the Puss in Boots Last Wish movie that came out I think was that earlier this year. Um, but like that one, that one kind of thrilled me. I was excited about that. I was like, this is really tight tightly done yeah. movie and yeah, Dungeons yeah, and Dragons one I was like yeah this this one does work like it works for me it's it's watchable it's fun um but it's not uh you know I I doubt I doubt I'll I'll probably go back to it much if I, if any I've I've uh, unintentionally um I've unintentionally watched it a bunch of times because um so I, in my, in my car, I have to, I have to like load media onto some sort of like USB and I put this on there. And so my kids keep watching it and they like it. So I've like listened to the movie like three or four times all the way through now, which I wouldn't have anticipated doing, but it's, um, it's, it's, uh, I could see it being a comfort movie for some people and my, and my kids are surprisingly, they were able to, they're pretty young and they were able to follow, enjoy it and enjoy it more than I thought they would be able to. Um, so I, it might be one of those movies that they have foundational memories of the way, uh, I, you know, I might have, or we might have for something like Indiana Jones or something. 
I can see that. That does happen. Yeah. Sometimes a movie, it just happens to be the one, even if it's yeah. not the best movie in the world. It just kind of imprints on you and you're just like, yeah. oh yeah, you know, for, it's kind of inexplicable. Well, you know, and, and to that point, what I really appreciated about this is that it was clean. It was a clean movie that you, you'd you be comfortable watching with your kids. You know, there was no, yeah. um, you know, sex, there's no like gratuitous violence, there's no... I don't even know if there was much, if any, profanity, maybe a couple, but it was, it seemed even cleaner than like Marvel movies nowadays that, that love to push the envelope with, um, with that stuff. So I, I appreciate that. And more so even because one of the biggest uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, online phenomena is the, uh, the critical role mm-hmm. and uh Amazon has made like an animated show about that. And I mean, it's on, on it's, it's a cartoon, but it's unwatchable for, for kids just because it's so, uh, you know, sexualized and, and yeah. violent and profane. So I appreciated that. What, what is that? I'm not, I'm, I've never heard of that. What is it? Oh, are you critical, familiar with that? You know, critical role. Yes. I know I'm very, not very familiar, but uh, more familiar than I want to be. The critical role is like a, I don't, I think it's like a, it, it, it might've at one point been carried on actual TV. I'm not sure, but um, it's a show, a Dungeons and Dragons show where like a professional DM of some, some mintage vintage um, DMs, a Dungeons and Dragons game with like nerd culture notables. Like I think maybe like, like Patton Oswald type people, if Patton like, Oswald, like Felicia <laughs> Day type of people, you know what I mean? And they, Will Wheaton or something. Yeah, like Will Wheaton. I think Patrick Rothfuss, the author, uh, has been on it. And John Green and his dorky brother. Yeah, basically the list of people that I can't stand. Um, the, the, just Reddit people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, theater kids. They're all theater kids. You know what I mean? And so they all just like ham it up in the most cringe inducing way playing these Dungeons and Dragons games like for adults you know and it's like so it's just so schmaltzy and and cornball and they they think it's like the hottest thing in the world and then they made an animated series out of you know some elements of the campaign that they ran and that's what uh, that's what Brett's referring to and it does it does get uh, quite inappropriate at times in, in in a way that's like not not classy, you know, like not tasteful. Yeah. I assume it's like, you know, performatively edgy or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's, it's kind of too bad too. It's, it's one of those weird phenomena. It's like, you know, I, I don't know if you guys ever like will watch, but, uh, the people playing it, it's like people watch people playing video games online. Right. And, oh, and yeah. now it's like, you're watching for hours at a time other people playing Dungeons and Dragons and it's just kind of a weird thing. And, and Matt Mercer is the name of, of the DM and he is, you know, pretty famous. I actually like, don't like his style of DMing. Not that he's not a talented voice actor and, um, you know, storyteller, but there's actually a way funnier and I think way more talented guy, Brennan Lee Mulligan. Uh, and he's on, uh, it's called dimension 20 and uh he he has like some some shorter more digestible uh stories and he even has a, a podcast and the episodes are only like an hour long so that's oh i just i just googled him he's like he had that video that went like viral where 
the girl was saying like, well, actually, no, you suck. You know, yeah, I don't know if you guys remember it, but he's like this pasty redhead and, <laughs> and the, the co-host woman was like, well, no, actually women shouldn't like you cause you suck and stuff. No, but I haven't seen that. I will look it up. It was I bet you guys saw it, you just don't remember, but it was it was it went around like right wing Twitter for a while. And 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 people didn't realize it was like a clip from a show. Mm. So they're like, see, like this is how like like women are mean to just pasty redhead guys. He's trying to be nice and she's mean. (laughs) Oh man, that's funny. No, she's right. People should be mean to him. Yeah, well, and and it's and that goes back, you know, Conan, to what you said. It's like, you know, no matter how cringy the brand gets, no matter how politically correct or or whatever, even like these these big names behind it, they don't have a monopoly on it. I mean, like they could Dungeons and Dragons could come out and say, "Hey, we're not letting uh, straight white men ever play our game again." And we'd just be like, whatever, and just do it ourselves. You know, it's just like, we don't yeah. need anything from them. And and that's kind of too bad because I, I think that like now everything's online and it's over uh, marketed and it's, right. you know, they just, they're producing all these like toys and getting, you can go to Walmart and buy the, the, uh, the player's handbook or whatever. And it's just, there's too much merchandise behind it when it doesn't need to be that way. Well, I mean, that's just, you know, that's the industry. You have to, it, it's no good if you just sell one pamphlet and that's it. Like people can play forever. You know what I mean? You got to get people on a subscription. Come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Granite, when when are you going to put a paywall up on for, for the Granite Mountain Movie Club? Um, I don't know. Com- leave a comment if you would pay for something. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know what people would pay for. Um Leave leave a dollar dollar signs in the comment section if you would pay. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, you guys started talking about the cast a bit, but I, I wanted to go through the, the main cast. So, and with going from the premise that, um, I think the script and the jokes were pretty good. Were, were okay, but they kind of only worked because Chris Pine was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and without him, I'm not sure this works. I mean, maybe there's a couple other people that are kind of like him that they could have done it, but um, I think he was a really good anchor for the, for the cast and, the, and, and, and it's good for them that they got him. Um, I think he worked. Um, what else? What did you guys think with the cast though, in general, All right? You guys had done a little bit on it, but, but let's get more into it. I think we said that Michelle Rodriguez was good and it was a, you know, barbarian warrior seems like it would kind of be a typecast for her, but I think she brought it a little bit outside that. Um, and then Hugh, Hugh Grant obviously just knew what kind of movie he was in, just like Jeremy Irons did in the, the old one <laughs> and it just turned it up to 11 and was wacky, <laughs> but it's appreciated. You know what I mean? Like you gotta have, mm-hmm. especially with a villain, I feel like you have to just dial it up. As for the yeah, rest of the cast, I totally agree. You know, like I said, Bradley Cooper was just kind of there as a small, like as a little guy. Um, yeah, which is, which is like funny enough as a as a, I guess, a gimmick. But um, I didn't really think he. I, I didn't think Bradley Cooper's acting really elevated the movie per se. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think that um, 
I don't think that worked. <laughs> I, I I found the whole thing pretty bewildering, really. That's like yeah, the one place of- that it got a little risque, just by implication, you know, the fact that he was like her ex-husband. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was, maybe they, I guess they were banking on that generating buzz or something, but um, that's like 90 seconds where it's like, because uh, the movie is a little long. That's like, I, I would have, you know, I would have cut that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you know, one thing I did like about it is they didn't, and this is something that I think was a problem with the 2000 film Dungeons and Dragons, is that Honor Among Thieves did not overly rely on computer graphics. I mean, obviously there's stuff that they, they just, they couldn't do otherwise, but like the tabaxi, uh, the, you know, the cat person, or even the giant fish that Zinc yeah. saves the bait. You know, they just, you know, you don't need to make that stuff CGI. And, and I, I liked that. Yeah. The, the Zank actor, I don't know if you guys know this and, and I didn't know this. Someone had to kind of explain this to me, but he was, and that's the, uh, that's like the, the smooth black guy who's like, yeah, the paladin. Yeah. The, you know, power levels way higher than everyone else. And he, so he was a hit star, I guess on, uh, Bridgerton and I guess part of the what the heck is kind of, that? it's a, it was a very popular show with with women on Netflix but um, <laughs> and, and and this is why it had to be explained to me because I'd not seen it but apparently his role in this movie was kind of a meta joke about him as an actor and like a, as a as a presence um, because that's kind of I guess he kind of left that show Bridgerton partly he kind of had a reputation of being like over overwritten as I guess as kind of too perfect. So that was kind of a continuation of the joke of him being uh, this like overly perfect and smooth and, and uh, capable guy. Interesting. So yeah, now that I think about it, I'm like, I'm still noodling on the question of how is this a specifically a Dungeons and Dragons movie? And that kind of goes to that, that question in the sense that, you know, once in a while, presumably you get somebody who insists on on bringing their over-leveled character into a campaign or something uh, and carrying everybody else, which is yeah. what it felt like in that, you know, the dragon scenes. Um, and I was also thinking like, you know, maybe the, maybe the, the, the sort of stilted, weirdly paced, self-conscious comedy, maybe that's the that's the mark of the D movie because that's the tone of the room that you're in where, where non-professional actors are, are trying to role play these characters impromptu, right? You're trying to uh, embody these characters in a sort of stilted and awkward, awkward way and, and not able to fully commit to uh, the seriousness of the situation. You're just always relieving that tension by cracking ill, ill-timed jokes. Yeah, I I did see one quote from someone involved in production. I, I don't recall who, but it's something about that the group was kind of supposed to resemble a, a, a campaign of players where they're they're fairly low level players and like no one was supposed to was supposed to be very competent. They were all supposed to be kind of bad, um, and presumably, you know, the the idea was. They wanted this to be a franchise. It didn't make enough money probably to get a sequel. 
uh, maybe they maybe they find a way to make a cheap sequel or something. But they presumably, you know, in the sequels, they would like be leveling up or something. Right. Yeah, that's that was kind of the the thought that I had coming out of it, where I was thinking, I almost wish that they didn't include the entire um, Red Wizards Lich magic arc to it where you know you have these like grandiose stakes and big evil magic coming out of the sky and have to save the entire realm i almost wanted it you know i was like these characters are kind of doofy they're young they're just starting out like give them a smaller scale campaign like the heist is a good idea Mm -hmm. focus on the heist and because like a lot of the heist stuff i thought was the strongest the strongest stuff in the movie like the scene where they have to sneak the portal into the carriage. I, that was like my favorite sequence. I think I thought that was really creative. It was, it was kind of like a portal gun situation, but yeah. Oh, totally. I didn't, uh, I didn't mind that at all. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's, I'm sure they'll make another movie, but you're right. It might have to be a standalone or, or cheaper make, you know, try and make a TV series or something out of it. Um, yeah, the problem becomes if they can't get like Pine back, then then it's yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see. Um, so there is a you can see it on YouTube. It's like a thirty minute, uh, you know, just a, a really short one one shot game with Matt Mercer uh, DMing it, and uh, then we have uh, what's his name. Dominic Toretto, who plays him, Vin Diesel, he he's in it, and oh, and he did no. good. So I think a lot of of people actually really enjoy uh, playing this. You know, who are are well known. You know, I I, I know that uh, that there are some people that are friends with Chris Pine who are on that Dimension Twenty, like Lou Wilson, who's he's a a good actor, kind of an improv guy, and he does a lot of D and D, and he's close friends with Chris Pine, so. I think there there will be more buzz behind it, but they're going to have to shift their focus from trying to like bring new people into Dungeons and Dragons, and then just make a good fantasy movie that you know people can appreciate. Because anyone who plays Dungeons and Dragons, they're like, well, if I was DMing this, I would have it totally, you know, because DMs uh, are constantly critiquing the movie. Players are like, oh, I would totally do something different, and then new people are like confused yeah right so you said uh vin diesel plays i was gonna say i was gonna go into that yeah vin so diesel I, is a huge dungeons and dragons fan like really? a long time avid player did you guys see his movie the last witch hunter no i did not it, it was this like vanity project for vin diesel that was more or less based on like a Dungeons and dragons character that he played for a long time um, it was, it, it was not good, but I think it was better than I got credit for it. You could tell that his, his heart was in it. I'll say that much. Yeah. He got, looks like he got Elijah Wood to be in the movie and a girl from game of Thrones, Michael mm-hmm. Caine. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's pretty it cool. Was, it was, it, it was pretty dopey ultimately, but it had some, I thought, uh, I thought some really compelling imagery that you could tell he had like 
spent a lot of time thinking about and developing and had a, had a hand kind of in the production. Um, and you know, it wasn't the, the, the beats were more or less there. It was, it was structured such that it works as a movie. It was, you know, all the payoffs were set up and characters made sense. Oh uh, yeah. I, I saw that. I saw an interview like with the cast of, of this movie of dungeons and dragons. And, uh, I guess Michelle Rodriguez says she was a longtime player. Maybe, maybe Vin Diesel got her into it on Fast and Furious. Yeah, maybe um, <laughs> they're just playing, you know, between uh, car chase scenes. Yeah, and then they said that the the redhead girl, um, who uh, I think her name's Doric in the movie. Yeah, yeah the tiefling they, druid. Yeah, they said she's a big player and that she played in high school. And I, that was kind of weird to me, like because, like I say. When I was playing, there was absolutely no girls playing. I'm skeptical. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call BS on that one. Yeah, like it's that's myth <laughs> myth making. Just I think that's sell. puffery. That's marketing. Yeah. Yeah, we're all real serious players. We all love the game. Well, Pine Pine admitted to not really knowing what it was until he got the role. So he said he started playing to prepare for the movie. Um, okay. and then I don't know if anyone else had played. Yeah, I don't. I'm sure Hugh Grant did not play. He didn't. He had no idea what it was. He right. um, had no idea what dungeon, what D and D was, and he uh, he doesn't actually do. He makes a point of not doing like franchise movies or this this kind of thing. But he just he read the script and actually just genuinely liked it. He said so. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, you know, it was kind of funny. Um, yeah, it was a, a a good omen today. So I I knocked doors for a living, door to door salesman. And one of the the doors that I knocked today, they they had a, a little hatchback, and it had the Dungeons and Dragons logo. You know, that's the and you know, the Empress hand there with the the dragon on, mm-hmm. on the back of it. And I'm like, hey, I'm gonna be on on a show tonight talking about this. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, and this might not be the, send send them a link. Yeah, be like, hey, uh, thank you for uh, reminding now, me. Now now buy solar. <laughs> Well, the the funny, and this might not be the the episode to get into the weeds on this, but like we were talking about at the beginning, it it seems like, and I I, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but I don't know if there's been a, a very true to form fantasy story told. You know, certainly not one that's going to please everybody. Um, I think Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films were, were excellent. So I, I definitely enjoyed those, but there are plenty of people who, who didn't like his interpretation. Um, but it seems like in many cases, it's just getting worse. You know, now we're dealing with the rings of power and um, Henry Cavill's amazing. But if you've read the books, the, the Witcher TV show uh, sucks like compared to the books. I don't know. Have you guys read read or played the games? No, I've heard that. It, I've heard that people, the fans, were unhappy with it. Even even Cavill himself, I thought. Yeah, I've, I've see, like played a bit of the games, um, but that's the extent of my Witcher knowledge. Oh, dude, you would love the books, especially as a writer. I think you'd find a lot to appreciate there. But you know, my point being is, like, I think he would do really well in a in a, a fantasy movie like that. Um, you know, he should have played Zank or something, Henry Cavill. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are know about this, but the, the so the director is a, a team of directors 
And one of them was John Francis Daly, and he was on a show back in the early 2000s as a child actor called Freaks and Geeks. You guys ever see that? Um, yes. I did see it was that only, a long time ago. It was only like one season. Um, I think it was like one of the – it was like I think it was Judd Apatow he made it or it was like producer. Um, it was – it's actually an interesting show because – well, I just thought it was a good show, but I was also I think a teen when I was watching it, so – it was like targeted at teens, but um, it uh, a lot of very influential people came out of that show, both like Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen, um, James Franco. Uh, and then now this, this John Francis Daly was on the show, too. And now he's, you know, a director that's doing reasonably big movies. Um, but there's a pretty iconic scene from the show. It might even be like the finale episode or, or something like that where they're playing D and D. And uh, prior to stranger that and stranger things are really the only like prominent on screen D and D playing that I I'm aware of, unless you guys have any, have any other, uh, there was have any a, other ones that you've seen a long time ago. There was a Tom Hanks movie. Mazes and monsters. Mazes and monsters. That's yeah, right. that one did not uh, did not paint Dungeons and Dragons in a favorable light. Uh, and it was you know, but that was that was more during the like satanic panic era. Yeah, um, friend of the friend of the podcast Giordano. Um, he, I think it's at at Giordano lives. He's done a bunch of tweets about mazes and monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Talks about it all the time. It's a wild movie. <laughs> Oh, you know what? It just reminded me. Um, I not, certainly not big screen, but if you guys are familiar with the uh, television program Community, there are a couple episodes where they play Dungeons. And oh Dragons. yeah, didn't they pull that episode? The the one where um, oh they did. What's his name? Ken Jong is in blackface as a drow. Yes, nope. <laughs> I think they pulled it off Netflix or something. <laughs> oh man. That's so funny. I'm, yeah, man, there there are so many things that you, that you couldn't do today, like uh, that were even just a few years ago. Which is yeah, too bad. I was gonna say that was like not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, it's just. I was thinking about that in the car today when I was like, I posted some tweet like referencing Always Sunny in Philadelphia today, and I was like, I don't think you can make half that show now, and it it's like a one half generation ago. Exactly. Yeah, it's it, it's unbelievable what what uh, how low the tolerance is for for anything. I mean, yeah, I bet they're gonna go back and get rid of some of the old rule books. You know that, that for for Dungeons and Dragons, it, they are it, they are they're doing that. They uh, I think they got rid of like half races or something. There was some some kerfuffle about that. It wasn't they weren't they saying like orcs were too close to uh, existing human races or something? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really follow it that closely. I just I know there was something about like races where they were trying to get rid of half races as like a category for players. Um, I, I'm not sure why that is like. I, I don't know what the logic was because like to me that seems more inclusive. Uh, so maybe I maybe I'm totally off base, but there's something. Look it up. There's something about them changing like the races in the new uh, new publications. But then there was also something where they changed it so that certain races were not 
limited to being evil, right? Like you could have non-evil goblins or whatever now. Uh, whereas before, goblins obviously were just evil. Like that was their alignment, and you couldn't have a non-evil goblin. Or yeah, I see a headline. April 2023, why, why D&D is getting rid of controversial half-races. Um, I don't want to read the article, but yeah. I, I assume it's stupid. <laughs> I, I wouldn't read it. I, I think there was also one about the way like orcs were drawn. They're like, these look too much like... <laughs> oh, that was... I think that was a different... They have like monkey races and, you know, that kind of thing. I think they maybe got rid of the monkey race for for reasons that I won't state out loud. <laughs> I can't remember. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're even trying to do that in uh, whatever the heck it's called, Rings of Power. You know, it seems like they're you know trying to push towards you know orcs that can can be good uh, or even like female orcs. You know, things that you know, mm-hmm. Tolkien never ever stated. So, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Was the Orcs in, in the in Tolkien all, all male uh, because they're like made not born or something. Yes, I don't okay. I don't know that Tolkien himself, at least in the books, really goes into it. We're we're definitely never shown any female orcs, um, or you know, any of that discussed. And that under certain interpretations, they are made not. Yeah, Brett's absolutely right. They are made not born. I don't know if Tolkien himself ever settled on any of those concepts i'd have to like go back and read the letters and stuff but um certainly you know there's not there's not like we're not missing out on on female orc representation or like sympathetic orcs or anything like that yeah in the books i I saw today someone was posting like like oh tolkien was or lord of the rings was queer coded and i I forgot that people were still like i'm amazed that people are still doing that like there's whole there's whole like uh, academic journals where people publish these long-winded articles and they go to conferences tolkien you know lord of the rings conferences and present them on and if you go pull this year's conference agenda half of it or more is like how tolkien is queer coded how tolkien is trans coded like they're they're working really hard at it yeah, I mean, someone tweeted like the um, you saw that picture of the White House with the pride flag. Someone yeah. made a joke. They like put the I don't know what what flag from Lord of the Rings with the star and the tree. Like they put that instead of the pride flag. Yeah, that's the from Gondor. The Gondor flag. Okay, and then they got like two thousand likes, and then some like some big like uh, I don't know like queer <laughs> queer Tolkien fan account like quote tweeted it with like a pride flag at Gondor or something, and that got like. 80,000 likes and it's like what (laughs) they don't care though like it's not it's not important to them to be correct within the bounds of the of the of like good interpretation of the work they just have to stake their claim and possess it yeah and and i'm even fine with like i'm even fine with rooting around for things that the author might not have intended but like but maybe unintentionally put in there but like in Lord of the Rings, you just, like, I don't even, you can't find it. Like, you just have to make it up. Yeah, it's not there. <laughs> well, interesting. So I'm, I'm actually looking at that article. And and so the, the big stir, I'll just read one comment. This is from D&D Rules designer Jeremy Crawford. And he says, frankly, we are not comfortable and haven't been for years with any of the options that start with half. The half construction is inherently racist. <laughs> so we simply aren't going to include it in the new player's handbook. 
It's weird though, right? Like I, I just, I don't get the logic. Well, I mean, they have to have something to be upset about. And I think it's noteworthy that there were no orcs in the Honor Among Thieves movie. You know, the guy mm. at the beginning is a hobgoblin that uh, um, Olga, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character beats up. Um, but yeah, no, no orcs. That's a good point. I didn't even notice the absence, but that's a big absence. I feel like orcs are kind of... Um, you know, a premier villain, at least in the classic sense of the game. I think I was an orc when I played. Or can you play as an orc? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. like homebrew it, or yeah, they I played as a half orc. So yeah, I guess maybe that's racist. what I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's funny. I wonder. I mean, they might have that. Didn't they make a kind of like modern movie with orcs and and it was like a modern fantasy with will smith and joel edgerton oh no bright yeah yeah (laughs) dude that movie was crazy (laughs) that was one of the craziest movies i've ever seen like not good crazy just totally berserk like i i didn't finish it should i go back i i I mean i wouldn't really bother like it's not good it's it's just like do you like bad movies (laughs) (laughs) there was one scene that just like haunts me every day where he he's like so okay so the the you have to understand the basic premise of the movie here which is that um for whatever reason there's like some backstory involving a dark lord but now la is like a fantasy version of la where orcs live and also humans and elves and it's like really class coded so like elves all live in hollywood hills and orcs are you know like poor people and minorities, but then there's like also Compton or something. Yeah, exactly. They, they all, you know, they wear jerseys and they do like thug shit. And, (laughs) and, but, but Wilson, but like humans still have like human internal class issues and they're the same. So it just, it gets like really murky, like what they're trying to say. And at one point, there's also fairies, like little buzzy, annoying fairies. They're like, like, um, like rodents almost. And there's like a fairy buzzing around Will Smith's house at one point, And he chases it outside with a broom and then like whacks it with the broom and then just kills it. Like he, he smashes this fairy to death on his front stoop with a broom. And like the, his neighbors are looking over from their stoop next door in horror, apparently. And Will Smith is like, fairy lives don't matter today. And it's like, <laughs> It's like, what are you trying? I don't understand this. Like, what are you trying to tell me here? It's it's just like such a bizarre blend of like, um, I don't know, 2016 social class memes that that doesn't it I, I, like it, I maybe I'm just not smart enough to to get it all to line up for me. But it's it's so bizarre. None of it really. I, you could write a treatise like trying to trying to understand what the guy was trying to say. Uh, I think I think it was Max Landis, wasn't it? And he's a kind of interesting guy. I I haven't finished. I haven't watched all of Bright, but he has some defenders among my among my fans among my audience. Yeah, Max Landis wrote it, and David Ayer uh, directed. Interesting. Here's here's something that. It's, it's kind of funny. So this is uh, from another article, and they say the edits uh, largely concern how D&D's many fantasy races are presented and understood. Sections of past source books 
have been redacted to avoid racially homogenizing swaths of sentient, self-aware people. Other sections that group ground the physiological conditions, attributes, and intelligence of creatures in their race or confuse cultural attributes with physiological characteristics altogether have been removed. A kobold is no longer described as an inherently dumb, servile creature who will, quote, find satisfaction in its work, the survival of its tribe, and the knowledge that it shares a heritage with the mightiest of dragons. Similarly, the section that described the entire race of orcs as possessing a culturally ingrained tendency to bow before superior strength, as well as an instinctive love of battle, has been cut. Which is totally ridiculous. I mean, like, these are, like, made-up things. And it's... Right, like, what what is an orc if not that? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and I was looking at it, too. The, the, the monkey rice thing that I was talking about is from a different setting. It's from the Spelljammer setting. Um, but they were called the Hadozi a, a race of bipedal monkey folk with a love of exploration who evolved <laughs> wing flaps that let them glide like flying squirrels. But many fans took issue with the published backstory of this race, drawing parallels to the history of slavery and making links to racist stereotypes. So they just z- deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that, that's funny. I, you know, I'm glad that they, it, it didn't seem, I mean, I'm sure there was some stuff I might've missed uh, in the movie, but it seemed pretty good in the film. I, I want to ask. So the, the wizard uh, guy, the, the good guy, he, I haven't seen him in anything else, but he looked like, is he the guy that's in the detective Pikachu film? I haven't seen that movie, but <laughs> I, haven't, um, I don't know. He looked. Yeah, he movie. is. He is. That movie was pretty all right too. I didn't hate that movie either. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, who who voices Pikachu? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, okay, and it's yeah. it's not as annoying as you think it should be. That's I'm not, cool. I, maybe I'm talking to the wrong audience. I'm not a big Ryan Reynolds fan, uh, but uh, so I went in, you know, a little nervous. But it was I thought it was pretty all right. That's good to hear. Yeah, you know, it seems like I mean they keep making you know these fantasy themed movies, TV shows whatever because i i think that people generally enjoy him um but it, it seems like they're they're kind of missing the market at least in some degree i like how you described it conan it's like it hit the right notes just maybe not the right vo- volume or in the right sequence um i can't wait for you to to make uh your your movie that's Listen, gonna be I, awesome if oh <laughs> about my books i don't want to do that i want to i want to write uh i want to write for scooby-doo i feel like i would be a great scooby-doo writer i think i could knock that out of the park oh, didn't, awesome. didn't they just have like the like an, an atrocious reboot of scooby-doo sort of. I, yeah like Del- in the Delma, loosest, yeah. yeah in the loosest sense you could possibly imagine that was that was wild because they didn't even get the rights to scooby-doo or i think the name shaggy so they called him norville the whole time which is obviously his his name um but nobody knows that, you know, and they didn't have Scooby-Doo either. So it was just like this, it was like, why make it, why is this Scooby-Doo at all? You know, you don't have the two most iconic characters and you are doing everything you can to not play this like a Scooby-Doo story. You know, there's, there's opportunities to do something fresh or do something interesting or do something against the grain with Scooby-Doo. And I think a lot of, um, people recognize that and reward it when they do it. For example, you know, the Jim Stenstrom movies 
that everybody knows, um, Zombie Island, which is Ghost, Alien Invaders, and um, Cyber Chase from like 1998 or whatever, were the first time in a while that they kind of played a Scooby-Doo movie like a horror movie and had real monsters in it. They'd done, they'd done real monsters here and there before, like Scooby-Doo and the 13 Ghosts. Um, but, you know, those were, those were a big statement for Scooby-Doo where they're like, that, that's how they marketed it. You know, it was like, this time the monsters are real. And um, a lot of that, a lot of those films were kind of structured and shot to the, you know, animated like a horror movie, which was cool. And then later they did a show called Mystery Incorporated, which was, I think, the first or one of the first times that they did a show with series-long story arcs. So they had a couple of seasons, I think two seasons of that show with kind of one story that they played out over it. And they took a lot of liberties in terms of like modernizing the characters, giving them more character inter gang conflict so to speak and like psychologizing the characters more than they're usually psychologized and i people really like that one i personally really like that one um i thought it it had some missteps of course what doesn't but it was really good um those are all those those all pretty safe for kids yeah i think so i i don't think the the Stenstrom movies like Zombie Island, I, I let my my kid was, went through a big Scooby Doo phase when he was like two to three, um, and they were a little scary for him. But for you know a six, seven, eight, nine year old kid, I think they'd be more than fine. The, the issue is just like, are they scared of zombies versus? Yeah, you know, oh, they my, don't. My kids love zombies. <laughs> yeah, they they don't do anything where you're like, oh, this is risque or they're swearing or anything like that. Nice. Uh, I'll check them out then. Yeah, check them out. But that's my point. Like you can, there's cool stuff you could do with Scooby Doo. You don't have to like, you don't have to like do anti Scooby Doo, which is really what Velma tried to do. Yeah. Um, okay, guys, I'm gonna probably wrap it up there. I would love to go longer. Um, uh, it's just late where I am. Um, so let's see. Uh, in summary, Dungeons and Dragons, pretty good. Check it out. Uh, watch Scooby Doo. Watch. Uh, bright <laughs> watch um, yeah, watch bright watch watch bright and come tell me about it on twitter watch detective pikachu um watch yeah. the weasel's movie the last witch hunter yeah a uh, last witch hunter dollar signs in the comments section like and subscribe uh yep thanks thanks to our guests uh brett and conan and thank you for staying up granite oh no thank problem you. thank you so much guys this is a blast